So, guys uh, listening or watching, this is, as promised, the very, very famous, very successful, cool. inimitable, well, one and only Sensei Seth on the podcast, on the Humble Dojo podcast. What and it's is awesome up, happen, man? man? <laughs> I'm excited. Let's, yeah, let's talk about some karate. Or, or we'll see. I, I came on to, to avenge my name. Mm hmm. But we'll get it's there. Okay. We'll get there. Let's, we'll let's get there. ease ourselves in. Let's get. Let's become friends first before I very oh. adversarially take you down for that horrendous uh, roundhouse kick video. Oh, I was pretty <laughs> sure I was allowed to come in hot. Okay, I talked. I talked to my agent. They said, "Okay, no, it's fine." <laughs> <laughs> um, what we always do when we have a guest on, man, is to get your origin story, your karate okay. origin story. Okay. When did you start? How did you start? Why did you start? And uh, give us the give us the brief outline of how you got to where you are, karate wise. Yeah. So both my parents taught me. Uh, my dad and my mom opened a school together, and I think I joined as like a form of discipline. I think was pretty was what like I got out of it. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I started, and then I took karate pretty much consistently until I was like. 18 um played a whole bunch of sports in between you know football was like i i took karate but football was like what i expected to be my deal throughout life yeah um played a little bit of college ball and then came back to karate started teaching a little bit more started taking it when i was in grad school so i was it, it kind of like rebirthed that love for me and yeah ever since i've been teaching i teach kids karate for the most part um and yeah, I guess now I make YouTube videos too. Cool. Yeah, I have a very similar story to mine. My dad taught me when I was little. Um, nice. And I had, a, I had a gap in my training as well. I was younger than you were when I had my uh, kind of fell out of the habit mm -hmm. and um, got back into it and started teaching. Nice. Yeah. So I actually. Folks? Do your folks still train? Uh, my dad still teaches. Yep. To this day, dad still teaches. Do you work together? Yeah. Uh, we, we have in the past. But what I realized is that there there can't be two cents. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just moved out of town. But um, but yeah, no. Dad still teaches. Dad teaches with uh, it's him and a a good buddy of mine who literally I've trained with since I was three years old. He still teaches with him. Um, the, the great time. Anytime I try and come down, I try and help teach a little bit, or I'll try and get my butt kicked a little bit, whatever it is. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, he's still after it. He, he's still yeah. better than me too, which it sucks because at this point nice. I thought I'd have something, but no. <laughs> no. Actually, that's funny because when I'm with my dad, um, he, uh, I, I, like, uh, we talk a little bit about karate, but mm -hmm. I, I don't, we don't go into detail on anything because um, he comes from very old school, kind of harder, faster, stronger, very little, sure. um, kind of like very little attention to detail and and a lot of like, bam bam going. yeah right old school fucking hardcore karate and yeah, right. i think since i've been training with the group i'm with now the group that mm -hmm. ross and i are with it's it's very much different it's kind of like more scientifically advanced and stuff so sure i i just don't go any into it because old-fashioned people like that are very precious about their tradition nah, you just gotta punch them right in the face that's it <laughs> get them with yeah, a good like, one 
You know, old school Shotokan Khan with the ridiculously wrong, long stances and sure. yep, that kind of thing is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So my dad comes from um, very Americanized ish, a Taekwondo karate blend wow. where it was, it's, it's actually kind of similar to what you see on like the new Cobra Kai show. Okay. Like it was that eighties American karate where it was like just starting to become popular. So I had to get a little fancy. So it's like, Oh, we could, we could sort of steal a little bit of Korean stuff and they just start kicking a whole bunch. And, uh, but it, it was a very like hardened version of what you see today where it's kind of fell off. It's become a little more kids oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he comes from less of a super traditional background, more of a, a like an American stew pot karate. Sure. Yeah. And I want to ask you about American karate in a minute, but um, just on that is, would you attribute your, fancy kicks that you do to that to that korean influence yeah one thousand percent yeah yeah so my dad um is one of those guys he's like 50 at this point he still like does jump spin crescent kicks and so that was his start was taekwondo and then he learned karate afterwards he started working on the katas the more traditional stuff joint locks throws all that stuff but because he had that kick influence, he's like, well, I mean, we might as well use this. Plus, it looks cool. So, mm-hmm. And that's the best reason to do anything. Awesome, like, uh, guys, if you, if you don't know who Sensei Seth is, check him out on Instagram, YouTube and stuff. The, the tricking videos with the bottles of water. And hey, you remember the bottle cap challenge? That is this guy. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, really cool. Um, right. So, America, actually, weirdly enough, American Kenpo Karate is quite mm-hmm. big in Dublin. Interesting. There's a lot of Kenpo dojos. Big big Elvis fans over there, or huh? Big Elvis fans too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same, same, same deal. Yeah, but these days they're very. I don't know if it's always been this way, but they they dominate like the point fighting tournaments over here. They're mm. very good at that, that kind of WKF sport fighting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's funny because over here it's Shotokan, which is a very like. It, it domi- dominates the tournaments right? for not only kata, but also for the point fighting. Like if you go to walk into a Shotokan dojo over here, yeah. you get a lot of uh, people who are – there's like the traditional side, and then they usually have like like tournament teams yeah, where, they foc- where they focus more on uh, point sparring and the kata. Okay. So, so for me, I, I take Okinawan Kempo where it's like a – like I mentioned, it's it's like a very mixed bag of pretty much everything you can find in most traditional karate styles. We practice a whole bunch of different variety of katas. Yeah. Um, so pretty much as I was growing up, I was like, you know, I learned from my dad. We're in a small town. I don't have a lot of like connections to lineage and stuff like that. So I'm sitting here wondering like, where the heck does this come from? And as I get access to the internet more and more, I'm like, okay, well, that looks that looks very familiar. Oh, okay, wait, no, this this is a different style. That looks familiar too. We do that. And it, and what I've found is it's it's essentially just like uh, we saw it and we liked it, we used it. Yeah, why not, man? That I mean, that's ideally that's what everyone would do if uh, sure. if people weren't so kind of hung up with you know following a style and thinking it's the best style or something like and only doing what your what the syllabus for your style is you know only these set kata or whatever i mean it's good good to have a syllabus it's good to have a system it's great pedagogically so you can learn everything properly right yeah when you find something that's useful for you why Mm -hmm. not take it 
Yeah, well, the syllabus is super necessary because without it, you would definitely be lost. It'd be like if, if you had to like work on a huge project and, and instead of being like, where do I start? You're like, let's just do a little bit of everything. And then, you know, we're not going to really pay attention to each other thing. So like, so for example, I'm working on my house right now. It'd be like, you start on this side of the house, I start on this side. And then all of a sudden stuff's different colors and, and the roof's upside down. And you, you, you just end up getting lost really quick if you don't have something to follow before you really know what you're doing. Man, it's like talking to Jesse Encamp here with the analogies with the building. Oh, yeah. The I, it must, it must be. Yeah, I think it's a karate thing in general, right? Like just analogies everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you like water, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I have a conversation with my girlfriend and I'm like trying to explain something, she's like, please just stop with the analogies. I'm done. <laughs> I can't do half of them don't make sense. I'm like, yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Okinawa and Kempo, so you've got a new instructor now. You're not, uh, you're not still kind of with your dad and his style. No, so so it's called Okinawa and Kempo. Oh, I see. So so under under my father. So the the reason it's called that, from what I found, is strictly because, like like I mentioned, it is a very Americanized version. Uh-huh. So we go Kempo K E M P O. Yeah. Um, I've so a lot of people think that it, I do Kenpo because of the, like the kicks and the tricks and stuff like that. But in all actuality, we, we do Kenpo because of the, I, I think it mostly has to attribute to the one step cicadas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, like the super, super base of it is pretty traditional. And, but we add so much on top of it that it starts to like, look like it's not really traditional karate anymore. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, it's just uh, we took the name, and then we're like, "Yeah, I mean, that's that's the name for it." We'll just do everything else. <laughs> you do what you do, and it's working for you, man. It's working really well so far. Yeah, so it's listen. it's. Sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say it's it's been very enjoyable to say the least of not necessarily being confined to like a specific subset, you know. So listen. Okay. Hold this, on. Wife, this roundhouse kick video. <laughs> now Ross isn't here. Yeah, Ross where's Ross? Here. Come on, Ross. No, I'm just <laughs> he was he was the one who was upset about it at first. So I'm gonna try right. and fight his corner. Okay, um, that's fine. I, I I I will accept you as Ross. Okay. I just and I rewatched it about an hour ago. To I did too, actually. <laughs> I'm ready. So we're prepared. <laughs> oh wait, the roundhouse kick video or the or that that episode? The roundhouse. I Oh, you, you mean you re-listened to the episode? I re-listened to the episode. Oh, I wanted I to make sure that I was real caught up. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I, I did the same thing, except I was re-watching the video, so I could uh, oh, so come up with some. You got ammo. So, it's a great video. Uh-huh. You're very good at the, at the YouTube stuff. Thank you. Um, <laughs> not to sound horribly condescending, I have four subscribers <laughs> on, on YouTube, okay? So I don't know <laughs> about it. Um. And, uh, and, you know, actually, the thing that I liked most about it when I rewatched it, the little tip that I thought was awesome was your, your Muay Thai guy. When he threw his shin into the bag and was able to freeze, or not freeze, but relax immediately, and there was no rebound, mm-hmm. he was able to, like, freeze in that position. He said, this is, a, a, you know, a way of practicing being relaxed straight after the kick. I thought that was yeah. an awesome tip. Yeah. Um, and I think you know this, but... Is it not counterproductive to to categorize these kicks based on different martial arts? For you, yeah. If I was talking to you, 
yes, quite counterproductive. If I was talking to me, it would be counterproductive. But based off of the average audience that I have, plenty of people haven't taken the first martial art, let alone taken the second martial art in their style or, you know, the second of their desired martial arts, which throw kicks. So what happens is I've got a whole bunch of people who know a roundhouse kick, mm-hmm. but they don't know a lot of the intricacies. They don't know the differences. So many people ask me on a regular basis, Seth, what karate style should I, or what, what style in general should I take? Mm-hmm. And my best way to answer was to show them different avenues of how beginners learn their kicks. Right. So like, so what I talked to when I talked to uh, master David Wright, or, or my Muay Thai instructor, Josh Brackett, what I did was I said, hey, look, teach me a roundhouse kick. Like you would teach a beginner. So what I did is I wanted to get there. Somebody just walked in, time to teach them this kick uh, reaction in hopes that a bunch of people would see it. And if they're like, oh, this makes me want to take Taekwondo because of how fast it is. This makes me want to take Muay Thai because of how hard it is. This makes me want to take karate because I can kind of do different things with it. In all actuality, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Every style should take notes from, you know, the roundhouse kick is a good base. Pretty much that's kind of what I was thinking is that I wanted them to teach the base of what the roundhouse kick looks like. Now, there's other variants. There's different speeds. There's different ways you step off. There's different ways that you pivot. That you like. Sometimes you turn your hips all the way through. Sometimes you hit with your foot. Sometimes you hit your shin. You know, th- there's so many ways that you can throw a roundhouse kick in such a small uh, variance. Mm-hmm. Like, so I could teach the roundhouse kick that I taught with like a hundred micro adjustments. It would still be a karate roundhouse kick, but it, to make it as simple as possible, I wanted to go, here are the base ways that each different style throws a kick. So the distinction that you made at the beginning of that was was perfect because it's about the way they teach the kick to a beginner and definitely mm-hmm. different styles have very different ways and kind of you'd be able to predict walking into a, a class of a certain martial art what way they're going to teach you mawashige, uh, roundhouse kick to start with. Yeah, right. Yeah, so my, what, my at, thought... At what, do, you, do you agree then that... Say you're you're showing your your own roundhouse kick in a hundred different ways and a hundred different uh, you know hitting with the shin, the foot, the ball of the foot, whatever else. Do mm-hmm. you agree then that there's no point at which it stops being a karate kick and becomes a Muay Thai kick or a Taekwondo kick? I think that um, I mean by by name you could easily call them all Taekwondo kicks. You could call them all karate kicks. You could call them all Muay Thai kicks, depending mm-hmm. on what school you're in, where you learn from, whatever. Um, I think that there are characteristics that make them look more classified as one or the other. Just like when you're watching like UFC fights, you could be like, that guy looks like he has a karate background, but in all actuality. So actually, uh, Joaquin Buckley, his crazy knockout, the spinning back kick knockout was a perfect example a couple months ago because everybody goes, that was a Taekwondo kick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't think, I think I looked it up. I don't think he's taken Taekwondo. Exactly. So it, that was just a kick that he did. Yeah. So yes, I and see what happened is I just counter, I just contradicted myself. But <laughs> um, I think I think that it is useful because we see things as new information. I think it makes it a little more interesting because uh, I could be like, okay, well here's this Muay Thai version of this roundhouse kick, and you'd be like, mm, 
that sounds tasty. I'd like to learn that. That sounds cool. When in all actuality, you just step off a little bit more. You yeah. just, you kind of leave it up and then turn it over at the last second. You know, you swing it a little bit less with the chamber, you know, whatever yeah, it is. I'm wondering about that bit, actually, because I didn't know or I didn't take note before that Muay Thai guys don't have a snap in the in the knee, like you, you the chamber to mm -hmm. this bit. Um, yeah. They, uh, they cock it at a certain angle and they drive it in as one unit. I was wondering mm -hmm. about that. And I think uh, just off the top of my head, I thought maybe it's that they, they find the, 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 the connection to their rotation of their mass and they just yeah. maintain it as they go through. And it's, maybe it's just a little bit more difficult to find that connection in some, point, in some point during a snap, right? Yeah, right. I think the main reasoning behind it mm. is because of the check. Ah. So they're so good at checking, right? And if I chamber it for too long and then you check and my chamber comes out at the time that I was expecting it to hit the body, now yeah. my foot has clipped their shin and it throws everything off. It throws me off balance. But if I know that I'm going to hit something at some point in my swing and my leg's going to stay the same way the whole time, I'm less likely to be thrown off by the time of the contact because yeah. I, I have less variation in my kick. So because it goes straight ground to body or ground to shin, whatever it is, the, the only difference is where it made contact throughout the swing, not where my leg was too. Sure. As far and as like the chamber goes. There's less at stake when it comes to Taekwondo and Karate because we generally in most dojos don't hit as hard as they do. No, yeah, more pa more pads on an average basis. Also, I got a whole bunch of flack because I used World Taekwondo Federation roundhouse kicks. So everybody who takes Taekwondo was like, we throw our kicks more like the karate kicks. Oh. We throw our kicks more like the Muay Thai kicks. We don't yeah. do sport Taekwondo. And it, what's so funny is that everybody has so much pride in their style yeah. until it's something that's like, rivals their own style within their style it's very interesting the dynamic is very strange on the internet but <laughs> but yeah no so so it was um what we were talking about the oh the, the chambers yeah the chambers seemed like they all their their purpose was either to succeed it's always to just succeed in their sport has, has was the difference in those three different style videos yeah right because i think that's one of the reasons that most people take martial arts in the states on average it is to become a little bit more competitive especially when it comes to like karate taekwondo because kids start at a young age they want something they can kind of do to boost them all the time so Right, right, right. So, so yeah, to always to succeed at their sport, right, would be the, the key to the strategy of a Muay Thai kick and a Taekwondo mm -hmm. kick. But when it comes to karate competition, um, at least the way we do it here, we do like, um, sh uh, well, there's, there's WKF, you know, point fighting. Our sure. style would be more uh, in, in our group, like Shobuipon, which is more like traditional Japanese, where I think you, you score two points and you've won the, you've won the competition. Okay. Yep. I mean, sorry, you've won the fight, is, but is also that... there needs to be a certain level of contact. Like it's mm. not full contact, but if you throw something very weak, then nah, no point. Yeah. Right. As it should be. Right. 
it's so, just it's another it's a compromise i guess because we so still... so more level of contact than like what is going to be the olympic karate yeah for sure that's yeah. cool okay cool yeah so i, I like it. i think it's a good compromise because you get to you know you get to do that point fighting training you just have to stick it in a little bit more you can't get right. away with a little a little tap but yeah uh, not right to say that those point fighters aren't incredible athletes because they're they're so fast and but 100 percent well, yeah. When it comes to karate, obviously you said there's big emphasis on tournaments in, in America. When a kid starts karate, they're thinking about becoming competitive, winning a few medals. But sure. I think you missed the opportunity in your video to point out that karate is the best. So I think I, I might have said it, but I, I might have said it as a joke. Oh, yeah? I'm but skip that bit. <laughs> no, I think, I think you are right. I think karate is the best. I think karate... Uh, I actually listened to – so in the rest of that podcast, you mentioned that karate was the best. Yes. And I, I agreed with that and, and for a lot of the same reasons. And you know, I think this is a good time for people to circle back to that podcast to re-listen to that episode after this one. Wait, do, do, but, you, do you happen to remember which number it was? Uh, I think it was 12. Just kidding. I have no idea. I'm not <laughs> sure at all. <laughs> I have no clue uh, either. <laughs> listen um, to them all, folks. Uh, Sick, sick of talking about karate. Okay, thank you. Sick of talking about karate is the episode. Yeah, so back, back to talking about karate, though. I, know, um, I was just thinking two guys who do karate, talking on a karate podcast for people who yep. do karate, talking about how great karate is. <laughs> That's yep. what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Martial arts. Nope, no, bi no bias at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think I agree with you. Just because of the sheer level of variation uh, of a variety, you know, whatever you want to call it. The knowledge can go so far in karate because it's a style that like it, yes, it branched off into very, very, very specific sub styles in a lot of ways. It's such a, it's a huge blanket term mm -hmm. that you can take so much away from in all actuality, like movement is movement. Um, so like there's so many times where you can find something and be like, Oh, that's karate. Um, and, and all it is, is it's efficient movement. Mm -hmm. Like by learning karate, you, you can get so many different things that just help you move your body the right way, help you biomechanically, like get that hip over, throw that kick. Um, and in my opinion, as long as you spar, then karate long-term is one of the most beneficial out there. Now, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, like mixed martial arts or, or boxing or stuff like that. Yes, short term, I would agree. Being able to get in there, shorten down the amount of things that you learn, mm -hmm. and then put it on a fast track. It's like it's like the argument of now. This is gonna sound crazy. This is just from the top of my head. Literally just popped my head. Analogy. <laughs> yeah, sorta. So, so here, so hear me out. Um, MMA, boxing, wrestling is all like fast food. Uh -huh. And then karate is like a home cooked meal. Us now, <laughs> yeah. So McDonald's, I can make a a ton of hamburgers really fast, mm -hmm. and I can get them into your stomach and give you nutrients. Okay, nutrients, pretty fast, right? Like I can I can pump it out. Mm -hmm. But with karate, you put like a bunch of love into it, and you like you really really add so many different ingredients to it and it's you can't make a whole bunch at once there's so much to work on 
Like I, I myself have to like flip over this and I've got to go across the kitchen. And I've got to do that. And I've got to come back over here and I've got to do this. Whereas like, and, and it takes a while to really make everything come together where, because there's less fatty, uh, not even fatty, uh, in some places it's fatty, but because there's less, um, to emphasize stuff like boxing, especially, yeah, you can get that finished product so much faster and you can start sparring faster yeah, because there's less variables that come into play. Also, because in my opinion, boxers don't care about the brain as much, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, that one got away from me a little bit because that was the first time I've no, ever had you. that thought. I, I, I might actually take it a little bit further, possibly too far, but I think when you're cooking, uh, when you're cooking, it's a, it's an artistic expression, right? You're, mm. doing, you're doing something as an art form, especially if you're high level. Sure. Uh, when you're when you're creating burgers for mass, you know, mass producing burgers for quick consumption, you're mm-hmm. you've got a, a product. It gets packaged, it's finished, and it goes out. But a piece of art is never finished. A piece mm. of art is at some point gets to where you're happy enough with it, or maybe not even, and then you have to. It's time to eat. It's time to sit down and yeah. eat cannot be perfected, sure. could have been better. There's all kinds of details that could have been uh, this or that or something slightly different. And it's the way there's that other cliche, karate is a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. By the time you die, your karate still isn't perfect. And yeah, now there right. are boxers and kickboxers and people who do the sports who can take it to a very high, very artistic level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, but then, but when it's your average Joe blogs in the gym, drilling the yeah. beat, you can wait. Yeah, that. Out. Anytime I have a conversation, that's usually what I go based off of. What the app, like, if I took the average person who walked into the average school, what am I looking at? Yeah. You know, if I took the average person and I duplicated them and I put one of them in a karate class for seven years and I, or the average karate class for seven years and I put the other one in the average boxing, they would come out with so much a different level of variation. Now, if it was seven months, the boxing guy would definitely beat the karate guy because that's the karate it. guy has focused smaller amounts on stance forms Mm -hmm. you know if if they go katas if they go one steps if they go all these different things and they're going to have too little to put together on a like an actual functionality basis they're going to have a whole lot of information but not like a a lot to function with meanwhile boxer one two three boom good decent of a small amount of head movement Literally enough balance to be able to throw punches back up, move forwards, back up, move forwards. Um, and which is interesting because it's kind of changed the way that I've taught karate because I still teach katas, stuff like that, that that's more traditional. Mm-hmm. But I've put it on the back burner a little bit more than I used to. Right. So now when I teach kids, the first thing I teach them is like balance and movement. I teach them like how to work on not flinching as much. Like we do tons of drills where like hands come at your face, Mm -hmm. you block, you keep your eyes open and then you return. Like I do a bunch of stuff that uh, is, uh, I teach sprawls super quick now where before I used to teach like, like a front break fall. Now Mm -hmm. I find it a little more useful to teach a sprawl as well. Literally just adding a small variation. Because what wrestling and boxing do so well is they focus on those small things that are hyper important. Whereas karate, we go more things that will eventually come together. 
right now what I'm experimenting with is teaching the things that are hyper important first and then giving them a bunch, a bunch of other stuff, hoping that it'll make that process a little bit faster. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah, teaching them how to fight first and then giving them all the other information that will make them way better. And, 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 I, and I should say this. It's not like I'm just teaching them boxing and wrestling first. Like it's, I'm still teaching them karate. I'm just putting those super important parts of boxing, wrestling, one, two, yeah. you know, sprawl, stuff like that yeah. into their karate curriculum nice yeah and um see you can be you can be held back by a curriculum i think i think that's what Mm -hmm. what you're what you're saying there kind of shows that for example if we get you know we we get kids in and say their parents are mad for them to grade get their next color Mm -hmm. belt get their uh, yeah you feel a little bit of pressure to make sure that the kids have learned their new kata have got mm-hmm. the moves for the the whatever kumite or kihon they have to do and yeah. then they can pass their grading right but they're not really they're not learning to fight that way the system is good system can the the katas are great they teach you know they make you strong flexible fast same mm-hmm. with the kihon the kumite gradually you you know you learn how managing distance with the super basic kumite and you learn yeah. things through them but yeah They've never done a sprawl. <laughs> yeah, they, right. They don't, we don't start freestyle kumite until brown belts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I've, I've never taught a sprawl. I've never done any wrestling, but definitely yeah. I, I throw in boxing and slip one twos and things like that in my classes. Sure. When, when I when I feel like I can, when we've got time before the next grading and we can do fun stuff, important stuff like that. But I think yeah, right. system a syllabus can hold you back. Uh, ours is set and rigid. We're part of a big organization. It sounds like you get to uh, curate yours a bit more. Is that right? Yeah, literally. Uh, I, so my, my father wasn't part of an organization. We're not either, um, mm-hmm. which means that like we won't have access to some cool stuff and some, some specific things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, literally, I, I, could, I would if I wanted to, I could completely f- change my mind and be like, all right, this week, Tapware only. Like we're just going to learn stuff that they teach it like. We're gonna ha- we're gonna flip a bunch, right? We're gonna do car we're gonna do cartwheels across the floor. It's gonna be a fun time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, so I ha- I do have a curriculum, and and it's very very similar to the one that my dad set up, which is probably very very similar to one that his instructor set up. Okay. But he took stuff out, and then I'm gonna take stuff out, and I'll put stuff in. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 very it's very similar to like you mentioned with like there's there's that artist's touch where it's stuff that they prefer, they think would work better. And then there's sometimes where I teach some stuff to certain kids that I won't teach to others because I feel like, you know, this is a really, really long limbed kid. This kid could use this. And then this kid's kind of stumpy, you know, like maybe don't teach them that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, But also harder to replicate that on a larger scale. A lot of the classes that I teach is right. Teach right now are a little bit smaller. And that's why I like YouTube because I can go kind of, more in detail on different things that I don't necessarily have to teach in class. Yeah. I don't have to worry about how much time is this taking away from these kids? How much time is it, you know, keeping them from their curriculum? How much, you know, I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. I want to ask you about YouTube now, because it seems that you you're very pedagogically minded. You're thinking about how to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're thinking about what you teach and why. And a lot of your YouTube vids are, you know, very informative talk about technique you, you talk about how it's taught why it's done a certain way scientific and well explained and all that kind of thing but you're sure. also a youtuber you put up yeah you know you started doing sketch comedy you did that brilliant uh, cobra kai fight 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, so what's going on? What's your approach? Um, my approach, which is like, uh, seems kind of like super basic, but I, I'd make videos that I would want to watch. Like if I, I don't, I don't very rarely watch my own videos. Actually, I'll almost never watch my own videos, but if somebody else made them, I'd watch the heck out of my videos. Okay. Because it's, I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, I watch a whole bunch of YouTube growing up a whole bunch. And I always felt like there was a gap in like just really, really fun stuff. Like anytime somebody did something fun in YouTube and martial arts, I was like, dang, I would, that, that was really enjoyable to watch. Um, that's what I make. And so what happened is I realized that as I made more and more instructional tutorials, whatever it is, somebody's already made it. Somebody's made it different. Somebody's probably made it better. Mm-hmm. So that's when I did the comparing three different styles because I hadn't really seen that before. I brought in three people. Mm-hmm. I tried to make it like, hey, martial arts is like super wide in variety. You can have all of it at once um, rather than focusing super in on one niche. And then, and then that went really well. And I realized the more that I include a bunch of different styles, the more it includes more people. Um, and then I realized that like just having a good time includes literally everyone. So a lot of videos that I make are designed to just like to watch this video, have fun, you know? Um, cause, cause I'm at this point in my martial arts experience where like, I, I'm not worried about belts. You know, I, I've been taking Muay Thai for a year. I'm, I enjoy sparring more than I enjoy anything else. So Muay Thai is great for me right now because I get to punch and kick stuff in a free flowing manner and and like have that like controlled chaos of am i gonna get punched really hard but i'm not gonna have to worry about brain damage because i, I know everybody around me so a way to be mindful right when you're when you're sparring you're not thinking about anything else it's a great experience yeah right have being in a room full of people that you know that know like your level of comfort when it comes to sparring is super important mm-hmm. but yeah so a lot of my youtube stuff is based off of um just making stuff that I feel like is fun, right. which is cool because it makes me want to make more. And the more that I want to make more, it's like a nice loop. Yeah. I was going to ask you a very serious question. I was going to say, well, for example, uh, before, before I say it, so Jesse Encamp, it seems that his angle is very much, uh, I do Okinawan karate. Okinawan mm-hmm. karate is the original. It's very important. We must go back yep. to our roots. We must look at the ancient masters, and we must go to China. And he's mm-hmm. he's very much he's very much a seeker of knowledge and and history. And I think that's yeah. his angle. That's his mission. Um, mm-hmm. I see Mike. His angle seems to be um, to antagonize, <laughs> to antagonize, and to put put uh, you know put other people down for their stupid ideas, and to call them out. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, no, he knows, he, he knows his stuff, you know, and he's he um I'm I'm sure there's certain things you could catch him out on, but definitely he's there to shake it up. And yeah. I was going to say what's your mission? Uh, is, and it is is it to not take yourself too seriously, to have fun or do do you have something? Do you have something you're trying to put out there? Um I would say yeah, my mission is to make martial arts as enjoyable as possible because when I think things are enjoyable, it's when they're repeatable. A lot of people are like, hey, Seth, like, how do you find motivation on a regular basis to do martial arts? And I'm like, oh, it's because I don't hate it. Like that, like I didn't want to get up and do schoolwork because I hated it. Yeah, I didn't. You know, there came a time where I didn't want to play football anymore. And I, I, I was like, why don't I want to play football anymore? I was like, oh, because I hate it. Like it, it gets to a point where if you don't have enough enjoyability, you, no, you don't want to do it. 
Yeah. Like I think that 90% of motivation is internal in, in what you already wanted in the first place. Like the reason that you have motivation is because there's something deep inside of you that wanted to do it. Not because I was like, I wake up every morning and I listen to Tony Robbins and Tony <laughs> Robbins tells me, like, tells me that I need to do this today. But, um, but yeah, no, I think that I, I like to make videos because in a, it, it I want to help people understand that not everything has to be super, super serious and that the more you add a level of enjoyability to it, the more you're going to want to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Cool. Nice one. Would, yeah, would, we, um, yeah, we in the dojo, obviously, like you, vast majority of our students are kids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for a dojo to be professional, it kind of has to be that way. Sure. Um, you know, yeah, we have yeah. like five people working together, a secretary and four instructors. So we are a business. Some yeah. people might point at us and say, Mick Dojo, but uh, <laughs> it's a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. And anytime, anytime that you, and, and we could talk about this later if you want, when it comes to kids in karate, I think people have way too harsh of a percept of a perception. I think people, the, the term Mick Dojo and, and I, so Rob from Mick Dojo life, he and I talk on, on a frequent basis. Mm -hmm. And I think they even misperceive what he's created in like the, I mean, not created the term Mick Dojo, but. But what he spreads a lot, people misconceive or, or misinterpret, whatever it is, um, having kids karate and teaching kids martial arts and giving kids black belts as doing them a disservice somehow. Making them, making them believe that they can kick ass when they can't. Uh, that definitely happens. That would be the worst possible thing. The worst possible thing is teaching a kid that he is the man – or the you know what without actually helping them yeah. learn how to fight yeah. um but on average most of those kids don't get in fights yeah most of them and it's not giving them kids who get in fights uh, very rarely don't believe what very you see in cobra kai <laughs> yeah what what happens is the kids who take karate maybe got in a fight they got bullied they got you know, beat up, something happened, they joined karate, their parents were like, you need to have some structure. You know, you have those kids too, the kids who don't really fit into any other sports, they take these karate lessons, they find friends. And, and in all actuality, all it is, is they're finding a social circle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can provide that. Mm -hmm. But, and then also we teach them how to move their body, how to be conscious of things that are happening around them, how to punch, how to kick. And then, I, you know, I've been in one street fight in my entire life, and it was in middle school over a basketball game. Like, yeah. it's did so rarely – say it again? Did you use your karate? I actually didn't. I froze. I oh. absolutely froze. So what happened – if you want to go into this now, we can. Um, yeah, do it. Go for it. Yeah, so I <laughs> – so I, I was playing basketball. I'm a very, very competitive person. Um, was playing basketball on like the side hoop because the people I was playing with weren't as good. So like there's the, the two main hoops and then there's four side hoops that go this way. Okay. Um, but they're half court. So you like play off to the side. So we were playing on the side hoop and I was, I was, you know, doing my thing. I was crossing up little eight, eighth graders. And then this kid comes in and takes our ball. I, I was just having like one of those like hormonal, bad, moody, preteen days uh -huh. so i ran up and he was like dribbling the ball and he starts to trip up a little bit so as he trips up he's like 
falling forwards and I go to kick the ball, I might have kicked the ball. I might have kicked his face. I don't remember which happened particularly. I think I kicked the ball and then the ball hit his face. His face had contact somehow. Okay. <laughs> he gets up and punches me, probably rightfully so. Uh-huh. I push him off and now we've got like three feet of distance. I and I remember started to gather around now going fight, fight, fight. So no, at this point, nobody knew what happened. I kicked this kid's face. <laughs> he punched me. I pushed him back and I'm just like standing there. I was a big eighth grader. Um, you know, we were the same age. We knew each other. I like, and then I was like, what? And then it just dissolved. Ah. And so, and then I remember some kid passed me the ball back and I shot a three and I made it and I was like, that felt cool. And then the adrenaline dump hit me. Oh, no. I was like, I was like, Oh no, somebody's going to come up behind me for the rest of the day and beat me up. I went home. Yeah. I was like, really? it was, it was, it was weird. Like I felt like this strange anxiety about fighting for the rest of the day. Man, that's, um, that, that, that's amazing. You say that. Cause I'd forgotten about that. I used to get in fights quite a bit when I was a kid and I'd forgotten mm-hmm. about that horrible feeling for the rest of the day. If you mm-hmm. didn't go home, you know, yeah. that, that, and you're trying to think, who's his friends <laughs> like, yeah right like there's is he gonna jump me <laughs> yeah is this kid gonna fight me is this kid gonna fight me and, yeah. and i think that uh, after learning that it was important to address you know the actual feelings that come with getting in a fight because i have kids that are like oh yeah i got in a fight in school I, I had a kid tell me he was like i've taken taekwondo my whole life i got in a fight i couldn't do anything he just threw me around I was like, yeah, I mean, that happens. Like some kids are bigger and tougher and stronger than you are. And if you don't have like, if you don't have a want in you to fight, your body's probably not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like no matter how much you spar and get playful with your friends, uh, there's a good chance that you might not be as mean as that kid is, <laughs> right? Like it's, yeah. it takes a specific level of anger to, or, or resentment or, or, you know, whatever it is to punch somebody in the face. It's a very, it's a very, uh, like anti intimate, I guess is a good way to put it thing to do to like, this is where all of your senses are. Yeah, sure. It's, it's where all of your senses are mm-hmm. and to just be like, I'm going to mess up your senses. <laughs> like, oh, oh gosh. I, all I taste is blood or like, I can't smell my nose. I can't see anything, you know? Um, it's, it's a weird thing to want to do to punch somebody and take that away, especially with like really bad intent. Um, but I've, yeah, I haven't I've been in a fight in years and years. I'm a grown up now, but I don't think I'd be able to, to be honest, I don't think I'd be able to handle it if it happened. I got in a I fight sparring, yeah, but I don't think I'd like a fight. <laughs> no, a lot of people are like, Hey, will you sign up for the UFC? And I'm like, Well, first off, it's not how that works. Um, <laughs> sign up but, for the UFC. <laughs> hey, well, you, you should do UFC. I'm like, Okay, you give Dana White a call, man. <laughs> Dana, um, uh. But actually, I did. I, I forget about this. I did get in a fight uh, with a deer a couple oh, of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram story, man. <laughs> I pieced them up. I did what I had to do. Nice. Uh, so, Fuck <laughs> like, deers, they're, man, they're the worst. It, 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 what's weird is it actually gave me a little bit of a confidence boost. <laughs> so, so to tell the story, uh, me and my girlfriend, we were looking for a house. Um, we live in North Carolina, so it's, we're kind of like out in the sticks at this one place realtor shows up and we're we're standing outside the house just kind of giving it like a look and this deer walks up with a collar oh and this that's not normal even over here that's not normal okay and uh my girlfriend being the 
uh, Disney princess that she, I guess she thinks she is. Nobody. She walks up to this deer to pet it. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, what is more important here? Her safety or how she's going to feel about this later. So I pull out my phone and I record it. Cause if she does pet this deer, it's, it's cute. It's super cute. Right. Yeah, so I, I, I'm, yeah, I don't want to miss this. So I start recording it. And then I see the deer stand up on its hind legs. And that's like how deers fight is they come up and then they go boom, boom, boom. So, so it gives like the first, the first exchange happens. The deer throws a couple, my girlfriend, I don't know what she thinks is happening. She takes, takes a couple steps back, you know, range management, of course, taught her that that's good. Nice. And then she's like, uh, at this point, I'm like, oh, this is not good. I'm still recording. <laughs> <laughs> and then she takes a couple more steps back. And this time, the deer deer has a little bit more of a forward angle. Definitely looks a little bit more intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, boom, 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 a couple more. At this point, I stop recording. I get between the two. I kind of pull a girlfriend around me. The deer is now in front of me and it has its head lowered. So I'm like, oh, geez. I don't want to – I don't want to – punch this deer or do anything to the deer like how do you fight an animal (laughs) so then it starts to charge it's like fainting at me it's like giving me some a little bit of something to be worried about so it gets close enough and i guess this deer's never fought a sidekicker before but i gave him one to the top of the head um and and it wasn't super hard it was like enough you know enough to be like oh um, but it, it did the trick (laughs) so i sidekicked this deer on top of the head and it's like a thunk (laughs) <laughs> and it probably it, it had like one of those three stooges moments where it was like huh and then it sort of like trots around and eyeballs us for the rest of the time but i kept that i, I let it know that that sidekick was out there for it nice one um, man. i love the way you like commentated on it as if it was an mma fight he's like fate. it's what it felt like i was like hey hey yep but it didn't it didn't stand up and swing anymore after that so dear learn its lesson nice Put him in his place, man. Yeah, you know, like, I, I love deers. Bambies are cute and everything, but we, we have, a, there's a big park in Dublin called Phoenix Park, and the deers, the deer um, are free to roam around there. And people okay, get in yeah. trouble quite a lot. And, you know, oh, they're so cute going over to pet them. Just And they get in trouble. They get hurt. Yeah. And with me, it's swans. Swans. Swans are so beautiful. And mm-hmm. so, but they're a pure menace. On yeah, the yeah, for sure. Dublin, there's swans all over the place, and if you're just minding your own business, trying to eat your burrito, for example, in my case, mm-hmm. I love burritos. Oh, no. And they're they're like they're pure, they're they're a menace. I don't know how else to say. It. They'll come up and they'll start pecking at your feet and trying to get your food. Thugs. And yeah. they're dangerous, right? They can break your arm with their wings. So I'm told. Um, and I just wish one day I could give a swan a kick, and I don't care if people think I'm a horrible person. I'd kick a swan. I'll I'll go out there and say it. I'd kick a swan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but so the reason that I I told that story is because it 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 was very it was very different than how I felt in middle school, and I think it had something to do with hormones and growing up, Hmm. taking it more often, and also kind of just karate in general. Because at that time, like I sparred, but I wasn't ready for that. You know, I sparred a lot. Like I sparred, my dad was the instructor. So pretty much anytime I was in trouble, we sparred. Oh, I see. And so I was used to that. I was used to saying, okay, we're going to fight now. If things get really bad, we'll stop. But what I wasn't used to was just like walking around all of a sudden, boom, fight, go. And you're like, what, huh? Okay, what? What What happens if, if like he clips me? Um. But then as, as an adult, like I, now I'm with this deer, 
like I should have the same reaction as I did when I was a kid, but having many, many, many more years of experience, more, uh, more faith in what I have, like what I'm capable of doing, those feelings went away. It was definitely a training pays off. I I agree. I think that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. Um, I I would have definitely done the same thing. If it was a human, I would have felt way less bad about it, (laughs) but like, uh, you know, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is if, if you're young and you listen, uh, there's less freezing. The more that the more the more the more that you do it, there's less freezing. Like there's more faith that you have in yourself later on. So it's okay to question, you know, what you're doing in the beginning, but the more that you do it, you'll question yourself less and less. And you'll answer those questions for yourself. Nice one, man. Very good, very good. So you said you mentioned the UFC there a little while ago, and I bet I was thinking I bet he gets that a lot because I was I wanted to mention him. I wanted to talk about MMA. Yeah, and I bet you get people all the time going, "When are you going to do an amateur fight? When yeah. are you going to you know start showing yeah. doing the octagon?" And, right. But I wasn't I wasn't going to ask you that specifically, mm-hmm. but I wanted to say, what's your what's your focus on your training now? Are you building up to something like an MMA fight? Uh, your kicks are obviously already savage. Is there something else you're working on? I know you said you're practicing Muay Thai lately. Mm-hmm. What's your current yeah. focus? What are you building up? Um, I've been taking Muay Thai for about a year just because um, I teach at this Muay Thai gym. I've got great instructors that I have access to. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been taking the crap out of it. Um, right now, I don't think I necessarily have a focus. Like I definitely used to have a competitive side of me that – like was football like I, I played all the time i don't have it as much mm. um and i definitely don't have it enough to get punched in the face for it like it's one oh, thing to pee for you i don't think so not anytime soon at least unless something changes and i turn like and i turn like 30 and i'm like i've got to do something like there's i feel like you know I, i'm i'm missing something but until then it's uh I would say right now I take martial arts because I don't know. It's super enjoyable. Like, like I mentioned, it's that controlled chaos mm-hmm. of knowing when we start, what the worst repercussions are, but then also like having those things uh, imitated, like having that danger imitated. It's just like watching a scary movie, in my opinion, right? Like sparring is a lot like watching a scary movie, but you can control the outcome and you can be the bad, like you can be <laughs> the guy who's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, right now it's just for fun. I like taking different styles, I like seeing the way different people do different things. Um, I like moving around my body. Um, for me, I can get my... I think my... it's a good answer, man. Even though you basically said you don't have a focus, I think it's still a good answer because to get a little bit philosophical um whoop. sorry right. i just heard somebody outside the door yeah okay if you get a li- like a little bit sort of pseudo philosophical um have, having a goal is good you know it helps it motivates you to train like um we're quite uh like uh i'm uh, i'm second dan now so i'll be grading for my third dan in like a year and a half i think yeah nice there's a certain time period so i'll be building up towards that the syllabus the kata whatever else but of course um, I think there comes a point in a martial artist's life where they're just doing it for the sake of it, and they're uh, you know for like an, an any kind of artist I think, mm-hmm. where you're doing it for the as a not as a means to an end but as an end in itself. Sure. Yeah. Right. And and actually, now that you say that, I I wouldn't be surprised if I do like 
uh, a PKB, which is like a, a point kickboxing bout in a way, which is pretty so much like, like semi contact. No, so it, yeah, sort of. Um, it'll be kickboxing, not with the intent of knocking out, but it'll be full rounds. Um, it's mostly like a Muay Thai thing that like amateurs do when they're deciding if they want to get into amateur fighting or not. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. And, and from what I understand, like from talking to other people who do this kind of stuff or people who actually fight, like I would be a little out of the league of a lot of people who do PKBs, but I feel like that would be kind of fun about it. (laughs) (laughs) It'd make a good YouTube video. Yeah, right. Exactly. Make for a great YouTube video. Um, and I, I, maybe I would do something like that, but I definitely would not consider like making a career out of it because like I mentioned, it definitely takes a specific type of person who can like switch that on. I don't think I have that. Um, also, it's not a very, it's not a career with a lot of longevity in it for most people. No, no, it's not. And, and a lot, what's funny is that a lot of people have found that having that career and then doing what I do is what brings in the money from their career. Like a lot of the people who fought are now going to social media Mm. to make most of what is going to be their money after they fight. I see. Right. Like in being, um, yeah, I, you could say Wonder Boy is definitely going in that direction. Um, I don't think he's going to be done anytime soon, but like, it's a very lucrative aspect to make it. Yeah. Insane. (laughs) Um, it's a very lucrative aspect in a way that still can showcase your skills still can make you like it, it keeps you in touch with people who enjoy talking to you, which is awesome. But then also like it, you know, you don't have to get punched in the face, you know, you can, you can do it for a long, long time. Uh, and you can stay relevant too, which is the important part. A lot, a lot of fighters are amazing and then they retire and then nobody hears from them again. And now all those opportunities are lost unless you fight again. But if you keep consistent with your with your brand while you fight, then you'll have something to work with after. I think Michael Bisbing is a brilliant example because mm. he was like, well, I don't know if you'd call him a brawler, but he was one of the most like hardcore guys, you know, fighting yeah. with one eye and all that stuff. But Insane. then it turns out he's also very intelligent, articulate, and he can commentate and he can do it really well. Super smart guy. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, man, I just checked the time and it has flown away from us. Um, and I've, I've got to finish with, uh, uh, I want to ask you some quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. I'm ready. And How then, much time do I have then, for the answers? Huh? How much oh, time do I have for each answer? <laughs> oh, oh like, okay. There's no, I, it's been 55 minutes, I think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the yeah, episodes are usually about an hour, but we're not strict or anything. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be super quick fire. Take your time, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not. Listen, you probably anybody who listens know that we don't take ourselves very seriously at all, and we're not cool. Like we do enough of that, karate in you know in training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. All right. If you weren't a karate guy right now, what would you be doing? Uh, I would probably either be in marketing or I would be a coach for football. First answer, very boring. Second answer, cool. Much, much more fun. Yeah, for sure. The second one. Stuck with the karate. Yeah, all right. right. Uh, all right. Recently, have you have you had any revelation or aha moment? Yes. Um, related. The roundhouse kick. It is way more about your non-kicking leg 
when it comes to initial explosiveness than your kicking leg. It's way less about pushing off with your back leg, mm-hmm. and it's way more about pulling with your front leg, at least when it comes to tie-style kicks. It's something that I'm playing with right now, but... Did you make a video about that recently? Mm-mm. I haven't touched on it yet. Nope, I've, I've, been, I've been actually closely examining how a bunch of other people do it. I've been watching in slow motion because I was really looking for like, I was recording myself in slow-mo trying to be super explosive with a kick really fast. Uh-huh. And I realized that very little of the explosiveness comes from my back leg, my kicking leg. Very and that way more of it comes from the full with the front one. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Cool. cool. I could very well be done with the video and be like, oh, that's all wrong. That's <laughs> <laughs> all bullshit. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's too much. That's a reach. Okay. Um, what music do you listen to while you train? Uh, depends. Um, it really depends. I usually listen to uh, some sort of like hip hop for the most part. But there's plenty of days where I'll like listen to some like Michael Bublé to get a little bit more flowy. Nice. It just all depends. I, I don't have like a specific go-to playlist. Actually, that's not true. I do. I do have a go-to playlist. No, um, but you can mix it up. Yeah, I can mix it up. Usually it's James Brown, actually, now that I think about oh, it. Oh, very good. Nice because cool, old school, dynamic and explosive. Yeah, right. And for me, it's just Rage Against the Machine. Fair. Fair enough. Cobra Kai or Miyagi-Do and why? Cobra Kai practice, Miyagi-Do mindset. Oh, I, I really resonate with the way that Cobra Kai fights, but obviously they're messed in the head for the most part. Especially so, when Kreese comes back, yeah. Especially, mostly when Kreese comes back. <laughs> but I would say Miyagi-Do mindset with like uh, their ability to – their supposed ability, if Miyagi was still teaching, to perceive things and to see things as an opportunity to grow mm. rather than to like see it as an opportunity to punch. You know? Excellent. Good. Kai, holistic fight style. Martial arts practice. Yeah. Yep. Last one. What would you like to change about the karate world? Mm. The amount of people who don't spar. I think that sparring is what brings it all together, brings everything you learn together. And I think a lot of people practice um, uh, sort of mannequin training a little bit, a lot of like conceptual stuff, which is fun. But what happens is the more that you do conceptual stuff, the more that it sounds like really ideal Mm -hmm. Um, because it's conceptual. You can come up with whatever you want. At this Mm -hmm. point, I go like this. And like, a, and then he's going to attack me with his other hand. And the guy goes, yeah, oh. exactly. Oh yeah. Bro. Oh, so, yep. Sorry. Slower, <laughs> slower. Yeah. I think there's too many people who train like that and it's so nice. Like, why would you not do that? It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. If you believe it, why would you not do it? Um, but I think it gives, it, it, it goes for pretty much any martial art. Like Kung Fu does it. Taekwondo can do it from time to time. You even start to see like jujitsu guys do it a little bit more now. Oh yeah. We're like, if you go slow, you see way more openings, obviously. And kids are the best about this because I was teaching a move one time and the kid was like, well, I will just do this and I would just do this. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds like every instructor I know. Like it's crazy. Um, okay. So I think there's, a, there's way too many people who train in like ideas mm-hmm. rather than just like going. And what happens is when you go, you can like 
take time in your brain to think, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Not this would work. Nice. Okay. Last one. Fail of the week. Fail of the week. Do you know about our fail of the week? No. Right. So at the end of every episode, Ross and I, to keep us humble, because some people think that we think we're great. Uh, yeah. So to, to show the world that we really are very humble and, uh, and, and lovely fellas all together, we, mm-hmm. uh, we let them know some, something that we messed up. Ho- hopefully, usually karate related. Doesn't necessarily have to be in the last week, but um, it's tradition. Mm. If you're a guest on the podcast, you have to tell the people something that you absolutely fucked up horrendously. And I would love to. Does it? Do you say it needs to be martial arts related? Doesn't have to be. Doesn't. Uh, you go first, and I'll think of one because I wasn't. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll go first, and this one was quite bruising to my ego. <laughs> um, <there's a> <laughs> that we practice called MP in Shotokan Karate, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a jump. It's uh, like the, one of the first jumps you learn. Yeah. Uh, Boom. Turn. Down. Yeah. Yep. Jump. Yeah, yep. yeah. 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 So, so an MP is kind of my kata. Um, it's the one mm-hmm. I did for my last grading. It's the one I've practiced the most. And Ross Sensei was teaching and we were doing our Zoom class and I was in the dojo with him. And he gets this uh, this wooden sword and he's like, he's going to, not not now for application purposes, but just to show that you have to, you know, get your feet up quick and just do the jump fast. So he's swinging sure. this sword at my legs and I have to jump before he gets me. Um, mm. And uh, he does it and he hits my leg and I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, all right, all right, he's going to try again. And there's, you know, about 100 people on the Zoom class watching. And he goes again, He ju- and I jump, and he hits my fucking leg again. I'm too slow. So then yeah. third time, boom, I got it. Big jump, stick the landing, and I thought, awesome. I got the little clip off the recording, mm-hmm. and I put it up on Instagram. And I was yeah. like, there's, you know, there's me doing my thing, you know, kind of promoting myself a little bit. And then sure. I watched it very, very closely. And it's actually, you don't even have to watch that closely to see that he, he's counting Japanese. Each goes through my legs, hits me. Knee goes through my legs, hits me. San yeah. pauses a minute, then goes. <laughs> he just timed it out gave for me the you. Chance, gave me the chance yeah. to get it right in front of everybody. So as not to embarrass oh, me too much. Uh, yeah, right. He just uh, proved that uh, I'm slow. I'm too slow. <laughs> or... I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I was given my chance to, to shine in front of everybody. And uh, Ross very kindly made it look like I, uh, that I did, I did a good job. But have to point out the purpose of the fail of the week. Yeah. Got to right. stay humble. Yeah, for sure. All right, I've got one. Okay, go for it. Okay, so um, at one point I was teaching karate. It was a younger class. Uh, average age was maybe a five-year-old. And we do this game called Sensei Says where it's just yes. like Simon Says. Yeah, yeah, right. I feel like almost every karate teacher, if they don't, should teach it. Um, we're playing Sensei Says. And I have a portion of the game where I make everybody stand completely still in a chia position. They stand there. They're not allowed to move. They're not allowed to laugh, giggle, sneeze, nothing. In the what position? Right? Uh, chi up. So just hands and feet together, attention up, right? Like oh, okay, okay. focusing forwards. I'm sure everybody calls it something different. Yeah. Um, so everybody's still as a board, not allowed to move. And at this point, I get to walk around and roast the children. <laughs> They're not allowed to move. They're not allowed to move. Yeah, right. And I'm just trying to make them laugh. I'm trying to make the kid next to him laugh. Um, so I'm walking around, and I had in the back of my head that this one kid showed me his Pokemon cards earlier. I had 
just thought of it as soon as I walk up to this kid. So I get in this kid's face and I go, Pokemon cards are for girls. <laughs> and he was like, meanwhile, he's like a six-year-old kid. So he's like, okay. So he, but he doesn't budge. Yeah. Doesn't budge. Meanwhile, also as a kid, loved Pokemon cards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Pokemon cards are my jam. Yeah, I didn't mean <laughs> it. Just so you guys know. Um, but then this kid wins. He wins a game. Nobody, everybody else laughed or giggled or sneezed or whatever, fell down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I let this kid go next and I stand in line. So now this kid's like walking around doing his thing, calling people out, sitting people down, and he gets up to me and he goes, Karate's for kids. <laughs> and I've I've never been more proud in my whole life. He oh absolutely destroyed me. That's it, fucking brilliant. I broke out. I I lost. I absolutely lost. He got me so good. Karate's for kids. And it's Karate's also for kids. Like, it's also true, you know, kinda, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, he is a kid. And I still teach karate. Like, I, it, it like, was look a around, good one. Look around. You're the only grown-up here. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Let me. This is my class now. <laughs> All the other kids are like, yeah! <laughs> I, just a rebellion. Fantastic. I get swarmed by children, and then I no longer exist. And then, you know, that now this kid's going to grow up to be the adult kid who gets swarmed by karate. <laughs> Definitely, I found teaching kids. Uh, it's my job, um, and it's mm-hmm. kept me. It's kept me young. Yeah, one hundred percent. Kept me from taking myself too seriously, big time, because they don't care. Well, some of them mm-hmm. care a lot. They look at you, the, the black belt on, and they're like, "Oh, wow." Yeah, right. Very seriously, and then some of them will rip you apart. Mm-hmm. They will. They don't. <laughs> they they really do not care. They are like, "Hey, look, you're here for me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Seth. Thank you so man. much. It's been a I had a great time talking to you, man. I'm glad we got around to it. I think the, I think people are going to love this episode. I, th- I I sure hope so. Cool. I'm sorry Ross missed out on it, but he would have loved to. That's talk all right. About it, it T- tell Ross, tell Ross that uh, there are definitely different types of roundhouse kicks. <laughs> I'll tell him. I won't let on. I won't let on that we came to an agreement. I'll be like, man, the guy. He wouldn't. He he ripped he just you apart. Would not stop. <laughs> Literally from the beginning of the video to the end of the video, which now is actually true. We talked about how the roundhouse kick actually has different styles. <laughs> yeah, but not really. That is. Remember Jesse Ankamp? You're climbing the mountain, and when you get to the top, it's the same mountain. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Different trails, though. <laughs> All right, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit off. Right, I'm gonna click end here, and we're gonna say. Oh, already? All right. Goodbye, people. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys.